Hello, and welcome to the Renwick Centre podcast. Today we speak to Dr. Amy Sarkowski, a psychologist who specialises in working with children who are deaf or hard of hearing and their families. Amy serves as the Clinical Director for Children's Centre for Communication, Beverly School for the Deaf, and speaks with us today about the importance of pragmatics. We hope you enjoy. Hello, it's Trudy Smith from the RIDBC Renwick Centre podcast. Again, looking forward to, to talking with Amy Sarkowski today. Amy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Trudy. I'm pleased to be here. Um, sure, I'll start with a little bit of my background. I have a PhD in clinical psychology that I obtained from Gallaudet University. So it's been sort of my professional focus throughout my career to work with children who are deaf and hard of hearing and their families. Um, Currently, I serve as an adjunct professor at Gallaudet, and I teach in their infants, toddlers, and families postgraduate program. So really a lot of early interventionists tend to focus on, in that program, uh, which I love. It's delightful. I teach with Maryland's Asmir. Um, another big part of my professional work has been with Boston Children's Hospital. For 11 years, I worked in the deaf and hard of hearing program, and so my was entirely working with children who were deaf and their families. Um, and then most recently in September of 2018, I switched a little bit. So I'm still at Boston Children's, but now I'm with the LEND program there. So I'm doing some education around neurodevelopmental disabilities. Um, and then my primary work has moved, shifted to the Children's Center for Communication, Beverly School for the Deaf here in Massachusetts, USA. Um, so what that has allowed me to do is to do a little bit less psychological assessment and a little bit more training and thinking about sort of the higher level, how do we move forward things like deaf education and how do we promote positive outcomes. Fantastic. And I know as part of that work, you've been doing um, some study in the area of pragmatics with children who are deaf and hard of hearing. Can you tell us about your interest in that topic? As a clinician working with children who are deaf, uh, I noticed over the years, 20 or so years in the field, that we're doing really well at promoting a lot of the language outcomes in deaf and hard of hearing children. So with things like universal newborn hearing streaming and improved access to hearing technologies and signing supports if that's appropriate for the family, we were seeing kids improving in terms of their language scores. Um, pragmatics is so often defined as the social use of language and one of the interesting things is that weren't seeing, or I wasn't seeing, the same kind of improvements in pragmatic language abilities um, as I was seeing in other language abilities, like vocabulary and, and comprehension. That kind of stuff. So it really struck me as an area of, what's going on here? If this is language, why are we not seeing those same improvements? And if it's not language, then maybe we need to think a little bit differently about how we conceptualize pragmatics for children who are deaf. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so, what, what is your study telling you about that? So what is it, is it clinically, what's, what's different about deaf kids? Well, I think that there's an assumption that if language skills are on par with hearing children, then so should understanding of social norms and social etiquette and social reciprocity. And it turns out that those are actually things that do still need to be explicitly taught to children who are deaf. And so, Sometimes, um, at least in the United States, when children have been doing well in terms of their language outcomes, they might not qualify for the same kinds of supports, for example, from a speech language pathologist. And um, by highlighting some of the areas of vulnerability or in some cases deficit in pragmatics, I think we can still make the case for why explicit instruction and supports 
are continue to be necessary. Sure, and that's certainly something that we have to advocate for here in Australia as well in terms of what are necessary in these programs when these children are achieving academically alongside their peers. But it's right. about that whole child, I guess, around the social work. And I know that you've been doing some work with a couple of our Australian scholars who are also well known in this field, both Professors Diana Toe and Louise Patch. And can you tell us how that even came to be? Sure. Um, in 2016, I was honored to get some funding from the Radcliffe Institute for advanced study at Harvard University. And I pulled together a workshop that focused on social, emotional functioning and pragmatics. And I invited Dr. Diane Toe from Australia to that workshop. Um, I hadn't yet met her, but I was impressed by her work in the literature and what she had written about. And then I invited her and I got to meet her and she's delightful. Turns out that I like her very much. <laughs> um, Coming out of that 2016 workshop, I then received further funding from Radcliffe to sort of parse out those two different topics. So I had one workshop on emotional regulation. And then this last fall, uh, October 2018, Dr. To and I co-facilitated a workshop, a two-day workshop at Harvard on pragmatics in deaf children. And so it was delightful to work with her and to have her to bounce ideas off of as we were planning the workshop to think about the kinds of scholars that we wanted to bring. We ended up having people from eight different countries who were able to attend out of this group of 20 scholars. Um, and we really started to analyze what do we understand about pragmatics and how does, it, how does the, the literature around pragmatics and hearing children apply or not apply? And sort of where do we want to go in that direction? Dr. Toe and Dr. Patch have published a significant amount together. And so we were able to invite Dr. Patch also to the workshop in the fall. So I had the chance to spend a little time with the two of them. Um, and leading up to that and then after that, we had some joint projects that we worked on together as well. Great. And I know that you were seeking feedback from Teachers of the Deaf around the country as part of that, that big group that came together. Is it cultural in terms of the findings or are we all experiencing the same concerns for students around pragmatic development? Yes, so each of the participants that came was asked to identify specific stakeholders that they could then go back to and sort of say, here's what we're discussing, what are you, what's your take on this? And it was great because we were able to get teachers of the deaf, their input, but then also things like deaf adults who had the experience of growing up and who shared very openly, you know, that I was cognitively smart and I did really well in school and yet I always felt like I was missing something. And we had hearing parents of deaf children who also contributed. So it, the issues that were discussed differed somewhat depending on the type of stakeholder that we were talking to, but certainly across cultural borders, we saw a lot of the same challenges that were being discussed and identified. Sure, so it's not about even the, the kinds of language and one's easier to facilitate pragmatic language, we're all experiencing the same concerns. Right, and that was an interesting thing to sort of um, elevate because people sort of were thinking, well, for a particular child who's signing, for example, um, they're struggling with their hearing peers. And so it, it had been, for some people, conceptualized as that difference. A modality um, difference, yeah. Yeah, um, and what we really saw is that regardless of modality and regardless of early interventions and early exposures to, to language, um, that children still seem to struggle. Mm -hmm. That's good to be able to identify an area of real need. Yeah. We can come together and start to address it. So interesting. And so I know that you've got a, a chapter coming out in a book um, with Marshark and Knorr's. Can you talk a little bit, or is that going to give us some of the answers or, or the findings from that group work? 
Well, that chapter in particular um, was written by Dr. Tim, Dr. Patch, and myself. And what we looked at is cognitive pragmatics. One of the things that we're thinking is that rather than simply saying pragmatics is a part of language, that pragmatics happens in um, sort of in a bubble. If you picture a language being part of that, the understanding of contextual factors and relational factors, who are, what is the relationship between the people who are communicating, um, what is their familiarity with each other? All of those things also really seem to influence pragmatics. So that chapter will hopefully um, expand our thinking a little bit around how do we define pragmatics in this particular language. Sure. When can we look forward to seeing that that, that chapter? They tell me it's a month or two out. So All right. hopefully, hopefully by um, September, October of 2019. Great, and hopefully we can share that with our listeners as well. Now, we have the, the joy of being able to host you coming up in August here at the RWC Rennick Centre and the, the mental health workshop that you're doing for us. Do you have any parting words for those who are thinking about coming along? Well, I think you should come. <laughs> <laughs> so do we. Uh, <laughs> yep. I very much look forward to presenting in Australia, and I look forward to learning more myself about deaf education there. Um, I anticipate it being an interactive workshop and that is engaging and really allowing people a chance to, I intend to sort of do the deeper dive and say, here's what the literature says, here's what, you know, from clinical practice, here's what we know, and then how does that apply? Um, I think sometimes, as a participant myself in different conferences, when you sort of you think, well, that's interesting, but what does it mean for me? Um, so my intent with this workshop will absolutely be, what does it mean for you? And how can we take this knowledge and sort of see what you can do with it as you go back into your roles as teachers? Fantastic. And it is that, what can I do tomorrow? Um, information that we're all seeking. So we're really looking forward to that. Amy, thanks so much for your time today. We're looking forward to hosting you in August. And yeah, everybody, come along. It's going to be fantastic. Thanks, Amy. See you there. Okay, bye-bye. A big thank you to Amy for speaking with us today. Amy will be presenting at the Mental Health for Students Who Are Deaf or Hard of Hearing course, taking place on the 7th of August. Information about this course is in the description of this podcast episode, and we hope to see you there.